0: This podcast discusses themes centered around emotional, physical, and sexual violence. While the stories of the survivors are meant to be inspiring and informative, listener discretion is advised. If you're struggling with any of the aforementioned issues, links to resources can be found in the show notes of today's episode.
2: Uh, So unbeknownst to me, there was a man named Jeffrey who had probably been watching me for several years, we think since around 2008, 2009 but really first appeared in my life at the end of 2011. Uh, He approached my gallery one evening when I was working on like a window display and introduced himself and said that he wanted to show artwork at my gallery and gave me the gift of a painting. And none of this was really that out of the ordinary. I got a bad read from him, honestly, like, you know, as we do when we've experienced and survived multiple forms of trauma. Oftentimes people think we're overreacting, But really, as one of my friends said, I think all of the other things you've experienced probably saved your life.
1: Hi, Survivors. I'm Tara Newell.
0: And I'm Collier Landry. And this is the Survivor Squad Podcast.
1: Yay, another episode.
0: Another episode. And... And really, Tara, an important episode, right? I was saying it's National Stalking Awareness Day today? Oh, yes. National Stalking Awareness Month, actually.
1: Yes, January 2024 marks the 20th annual National Stalking Awareness Month, an annual call to action to recognize and respond to the serious crime of stalking. Yesterday, Anna joined fellow stalking survivor, activist, and friend of the show, Lenora Clare, in Washington, D.C., to speak to the White House about raising awareness for stalking. They were joined by Devery Riddle, whose sister Peggy was brutally murdered by her stalker on January 18, 2003. Too often, the issue of stalking fades into the background. Not today. Join us to raise awareness for this prevalent and traumatic crime. We would like to encourage you to post a photo of you and or your team sparkling against stalking. Use the hashtag Sparkle against stalking on your social media posts. And we will have links to more on this important day in the show notes of today's episode.
0: Yes, but you know what, Tara, we forgot to do is we forgot to introduce our guest first. Our guest is Anna Asset, who is a just a, a total badass. And actually, Anna has secured the longest sentence in United States history for someone being convicted of the crime of stalking, which was 10 years. Her stalker was put in prison, stalker Jeffrey, as she refers to him as, it's not his real name. And he was sentenced in 2019 to a sentence of 10 years for stalking, which is unheard of, which is also kind of unfathomable to me. That, you know, obviously friend of the show, Lenora Clare has brought a lot of awareness to this subject to, I, I, know, I know you, but also to me, I've just been floored at the lack of action in law enforcement and the lack of action in the courts dealing with this because it is so, it is such an important issue. And Lenora says it best, and it's one of the most heartbreaking things I've ever heard anyone say. But she says that stalking is murder in slow motion. And I couldn't agree more. And I've dealt with stalkers. I know that you have a long history. You know, you dealt with this with John, right?
1: Yeah, no. And I think we have one currently, probably. <laughs> <laughs> if we're being real and like we yeah. laugh about it, but like right. now we're just in the public eye. So it comes with the territory at moments.
0: Sure. Yeah. And it's just, it's something that's very serious that uh, that law enforcement is, you know, obviously they're not trying to turn a blind eye to it, but it's just such a complex thing. And, you know, last year there was a landmark Supreme Court decision, which really affected a lot of people, which, um, you know, there was this uh, woman and I cannot remember her name to save my life, but she was in Colorado and she was a singer songwriter and she had to start hiring, you know, uh, private security for her events, for her, you know, singer songwriter (laughs) gigs that she was going out to like bars and like, you know, she's not Taylor Swift. She doesn't have bajillions of dollars to do this. And. The Supreme Court found for uh, found for the person who was convicted of the crime of stalking against her, and um, you know it's something that is just it's really prevalent. We have a lot of people who have been on this show who have been stalked, and it's just something to really raise raise awareness. But I really feel like Anna's story is one of hope and resilience, and showing that you too can combat this you know this horrific crime.
1: No, absolutely. And I'm so proud of everything she's doing, everything she's fighting for. There's a great team in Washington, D.C. right now, and they're fighting for the stalking laws.
0: They are. They are. So what do you say we get into the episode?
1: Yes, let's get into it. Well, I have a question and I hate to bring you back to this moment at all, but, and you can feel free to also tell me, you know, I don't want to answer that question too, if you don't want to answer anything, but I'm curious if he got close or if he actually harmed anyone physically.
2: To our knowledge, no. Okay. And that's, like I said, to our knowledge. Um, You know, there's times we were all followed, things of that nature. Uh, He does like to ejaculate and to mail and send it to people. And as I look back now, realizing how long that he had actually been stalking me, there was times when I would go to my gallery and somebody had ejaculated onto the window of my gallery. So it was probably him. So that's, yeah, just real, real lovely. Uh, But to our knowledge, he never physically has harmed anybody. I know he's had outbursts in the jail and prison system and... I don't really keep tabs on him right now because I want to, you know, just enjoy my safety for a bit. But yeah.
1: I just asked that because of my case, because John made all these threats all the time. And like you, uh, like Lenora says too, I'm sure you say this too, but uh, stalking is killing in slow motion. Yep. And I just think back to that. So I wondered if he ever got to the point where he did that because I believe he can.
2: Oh, absolutely. I think that's the thing is everyone everyone had the awareness that he could and probably would do something. And what was really you know, once again, we're in a small rural community and so that had a lot of benefits because one of the things that they were very concerned about with me specifically because I had this public business, right? And the first Saturday of every month we had gallery walk in town. So the first Saturday of every month, there were a couple hundred people coming through my business. And so there was a big concern that not only could he harm me, but potentially other, like a mass group of people. And so I would do things like I had somebody with a concealed carry permit at every one of my gallery walks, just really doing whatever I could to be proactive in case. And luckily it never came to that. But I think, and I certainly like look back and go, the fact that they had, the law enforcement had that awareness back then is really... Like, kudos to them for having that knowledge and understanding, because I think, you know, like I said, I, I call it stalking is slow motion homicide as well. And I think that, you know, we always just say, like, well, I mean, Lenore and I both say, this, if you take this seriously, you're going to save lives. It's that simple.
0: Uh, maybe I missed this. How, how long did he get sentenced for?
2: Oh, 10 years. Sorry, I didn't say that.
0: So, yeah, so he's, so, and you said that's the longest sentence?
2: To our knowledge um, and to the knowledge of other professionals uh, in the field, that's the longest sentence that anybody knows of. I think there has been one that's like 11 years now, but there was also a kidnapping component to it. Because what sure. we find so often is prosecutors, all, like they, stalking is so hard to prove, right? You're proving a psychological crime. And so there's not that physical wound to look at. There's not those types of things. So prosecutors are very hesitant to prosecute stalking. They're getting better about it, thank goodness. And some states are doing good. Some states are doing horrible. But to our knowledge, yeah, this is the biggest one we've gotten. So, And in the end, when we got to that sentencing phase, I wrote a victim impact statement. And I was able to read that into the court live, but from here in Vermont. And that was really towards the end of my statement. I talk about that. I was like, what you're sentencing, you're sentencing all of us today. You're not just sentencing him. And so I call this my decade of freedom and really cling to that for as long as I safely can.
0: Yeah, I, I you know, and I, and I hate to be doom and gloom about it, but ask it's the question that everyone asks. <laughs> Well, I I don't know, about if everyone, I, I, this is more of a of a statement, and I wanted to get your your opinion on it because what you said was you're discussing a prosecutor's reticence in in prosecuting these cases. Now, I'm assuming you're speaking before this recent Supreme Court ruling that people were reticent, and now you know. And one of the things Lenora has said, you know, the whole murder in slow motion thing, but also it's it's oftentimes law enforcement seems to be like. Well, let us know when he kills you. Essentially, is what at least what stalking victims feel, you know, feel like. And um, I'm curious, what does this new Supreme Court ruling look like in the future? Uh, because now you have to prove intent and and all this. Stuff. So you're saying they they want to see a physical wound, but then there's also like intent. Well, I wasn't really meaning to, as you said. He carefully, he was, he was very knowledgeable of the law and said things, I would assume, and correct me if I'm wrong, if somebody talks about harming someone but doesn't say, I'm going to harm them, those are two different things. Like, like if they say they should die this manner, as you were saying, versus I'm going to do this to them, that's a way they get around saying these things and harassing yeah. and threatening people. And how does that look like with this new Supreme Court ruling?
2: So, yeah, I'm going to, for those who don't know, there was, to your listeners who don't know about the Supreme Court ruling. it happened about a month ago. It was the Counterman case. And essentially it was a stalker, very similar to mine, who was stalking a, a singer in Colorado. And it went all the way to the Supreme Court. He also has a mental health diagnosis. And his whole thing was, well, I didn't actually mean the threats I was saying to her because of my diagnosis. And the Supreme Court sided with him. I will be very honest, when I found out about the Supreme Court's decision, I lost my shit. Like, full on. I was driving, got to my friend's house. I think all of us did. Got to my friend's house, and like, yeah, like immediately started throwing up at my friend's house and was just like, oh my God, oh my God, what does this mean? And for my personal case, my prosecutors feel like the judge who sat over the the big case because it was a bench trial. There was no jury. Should have said that. That the way he wrote his findings and the way Washington state law is written, that I should be okay if Jeffrey tries to appeal on this. And that's it's really now state by state how this is going to go down. And also, I do feel like it's going to make prosecutors much more reticent to prosecute, 100%. So we're all, I mean, there's a lot of us involved in conversations right now to see what we can do to say, okay, this was a giant step back, but how do we then hopefully use this to take some big steps forward, to create more awareness, to have those conversations, all of those different things. And it's really like we're in uncharted waters right now, but the conversations that we're having are good. And I feel good about that. And yet, like I said, like, my prosecutors feel like we're going to be okay if he tries to pee on this. But there's no promise. There's no guarantee. And so yeah. I know I'm just trying to kind of live in my moments. And I know that, like, I don't do direct advocacy. Like, Lenora does a lot more of that. I don't do that very often. I will if it's somebody I personally know. But I just have so much. This, it's not my thing. I, I, I like to train the people who are doing the response. That's, I feel like where my strength really lies. But, you know, I get email after email from victims and survivors and it's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying what this means for us. And all we can do is keep getting louder and more vocal and hoping that states and prosecutors really look at their individual laws and see how can we add stronger laws state by state If, as the Supreme Court saw this, you know, with Colorado, it's like, okay, how do we start to build our laws stronger? Like living in Vermont, we made sure that abortion was protected and is, you know, safely in our laws now after that decision last year. And so that's really, I think, the best way I can parallel it is saying, like, we have to state by state put in these bigger protections. We
1: took it all. Now, I also want to go back because I don't understand a lot of legal jargon, a lot of like true crime stuff, to be honest. But what is a bench case? Is that what you said? Yeah.
2: So a bench trial is instead of having a jury. So essentially, Jeffrey got to decide before we went to trial. It's deciding that instead of having a jury, he just wants the judge there.
0: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey, Tara, as you know, I've been going back to therapy and I absolutely love it. You've been going back to therapy too, right?
1: Oh yeah, I went back to therapy and I went back to BetterHelp as well.
0: Did you really? And how's that working out for you?
1: I love it because there's so many therapists to choose from on there. Whatever you need, you could just go through a list. I went through a list the other day, just seeing what they had to offer. There was one with PTSD.
0: There's so many great therapists. I mean, I believe there's over 30,000 different therapists that are on their app and you can communicate with them with video conferencing. You can do messages and communicate with your therapist. It's a very personalized experience, which I really love. Oh,
1: yes. I texted with a therapist the other day and I'm never tried that out before. And I was like, Oh, because I was typing it out with her processing through it. And usually I get angry when I type stuff out. But I was like, Oh, I was able to process it and work through it in a new way.
0: And you know what, in a season of giving, what better gift than to give yourself the gift of therapy
1: in the season of giving, give yourself what you need with better help. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Survivor today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Survivor.
2: Which means there's only one person making the decision versus a jury.
1: Oh, that's not And why fair. he chose
2: that, I don't know. Probably worked in our favor. Uh, but, you know, so it's something that like anybody can choose that, but they okay. tend to choose to have a jury.
1: Okay, so it's a yeah. good thing sometimes.
2: Yeah. It okay. can it, it can either be a really good thing or a really bad thing, depending.
1: Well, I'm like, I wouldn't want one person to judge me.
2: Right? Yeah. <laughs> but for us, we kind of look back and go like, okay, with stalking, if you have a jury, you have no idea. Like These people are going to be like, oh, this girl's overreacting. She moved across the country. Yeah, it could be a fine. mistrial. It
0: could yeah. be a mistrial. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't you know the if there's somebody that.
2: who's stalked that's sitting, like someone who's a stalker that's in that jury. You just never know, right? So, it's. I think it's a really tough call when you get into all that lo- legal stuff. How that looks. So, I've learned a lot about it, but there's a lot I still don't know.
0: <laughs> there's a lot of posturing, and it can be it can be dangerous. It, it, you know, again, it's interesting. You take it back to you take it back to the. The states putting the onus now on the states after the Supreme Court has made this decision. Uh, you know, th- specifically in that in the Counterman case, you know, the, the young woman was a performer. Then she started having higher private security. It's an open carry state there, or or, or or maybe a concealed carry. So she had to have somebody. She started carrying a firearm. I mean, it's like a whole thing. Her life was ruined by this guy, and then for him to be able to 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 appeal this and and sort of a liberal drudge is the one who came down with it was it was Sotomayor, right? Yeah, he was appointed by Obama, which I thought yep. was just really just <laughs> astounding, it,
2: you know it was interesting because I was thinking about it. I'm like, every single one of those Supreme Court justices has been stalked. You, you know, if we just look at it, they're in a position. they of were power. stalked
0: last year. They, <laughs> yeah. they, they you know, they were all doxxed last year after Roe v Wade, which I would think would have made them. Sit up and go. Okay, maybe perhaps we should take this seriously. This is a real big problem. And instead, you know, I.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, what one of the things I came down to with that is they also have a lot of money and a lot of power, so they can afford all that private. Security. Can afford
0: exactly. They can afford. Yeah. that. And so they just and I was just I was about ready to say it's a separation of classes, but I didn't want to get into that. Yeah, <laughs> that but I really thing. feel
2: like it was where it's like, well, you know, I've been stalked and I'm fine, so it's not that big of a deal. So, it's not that big of a deal for other stalking victims, is a lot of where I kind of felt it came down to. And you are getting to, I mean, it's a big conversation that, you know, you are getting into like the mental health diagnosis of somebody and them going, okay, well, where is his human rights within that? Yeah. It's really, it's really nuanced and confusing.
0: Well, I also believe that the ACLU was on the side of the just like they, they were on the side of this decision, which I also found so counterproductive and very, I, I don't know. I just, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt Tara. I, I was just astounded by it. I, there's not, a, There's. I, I'm out of words. I have no more
1: words. I think it's astonishing to me. At least I remember when John was stalking me, I felt like I was losing my ever loving mind. And when he stabbed me, I don't know why. Well, I think there's the shock of that, too, that event. But I was just like, I just need to go to the Jason Aldean concert. (laughs) And I feel like, for me, the stalking was so hard to recover from. And it's that emotional effects from that. What has that been like, healing from the emotional effects of stalking?
2: I mean... I think one thing that's really challenging is that, you know, we got our sentencing September 2019. And even though there was a really positive sentencing, I still fell apart for a hot minute, like as everyone does. And luckily I'd been warned that was going to happen. And so right about the time that I was really starting to feel my freedom, there was this thing called the pandemic that happened. And then the entire world was locked down. And I was like, well, shit, like I finally get my freedom and wait a second. Um, And oddly, there was like some familiarity within that was like, oh, everyone's scared to leave their homes. Like there was something almost kind of like, this makes sense to me. Um, So now I feel like I'm really starting to find different levels of healing and different like there was something soothing about that time because it was just like, I can just be on my couch and watch my Gilmore Girls and it's all good. And I think that, you know, I find my healing in different ways. Like the therapist I'm working with now does a lot of somatic practitioning, which has been really helpful for me. So I'm starting to really be open to those things. But also when I started working with her, because every other therapist I've had says, well, just go walk in the woods alone for your like self-care and healing. I'm like, well, that is the dumbest thing you could tell a stalking victim because that is not real calming and (laughs) soothing.
1: That's how every horror movie starts.
2: (laughs) Right? So I like started seeing this new therapist. I literally was like, if you ever tell me this, I will walk out of your office and quit you immediately. She was like, okay, that makes sense. Um, So I feel like doing things like that, I feel like I'm finally starting to really fully be present in my community, like I'm on my chamber of commerce board and like more and more involved and just finding peace in that way. And yet I think with stalking, it still comes down to, I will never feel fully safe until either I have left this earth or he has. And so there is still those debilitating things that I deal with and the severe anxiety and panic attacks and I mean literally as I was sitting here waiting for you guys to come on like when you popped on Tara it was like this that sound I was like Um, we still do this right
1: I noticed that and I'm so sorry by the way
2: you're fine but you know I think that we do the best we can like I try and create a lot of art I'm really into like macrame and textiles and that's something I can do. Um, I found that through all these years, like the outside felt scary, right? So I have a very creative little apartment where I just curate things as you can see behind me and have a gajillion houseplants everywhere and my propagation stations and just do those things, right? I think that's a big part of it. And obviously this work is... I don't know that I would say going out and speaking is necessarily healing for me because I feel like that's had to be, that's a much more private process, but it is fulfilling because we're teaching advocates, prosecutors, all of these people how to respond to stalking and so that other people can find their healing journeys is so important to me. So I wouldn't say I'm the best at doing healing, but I'm getting there, doing what I can.
1: I love that you practice somatic therapy. I actually coach my clients through that sometimes. Love it.
2: Yeah, I'm getting there. I'm getting there with it. Half the time I'm like, you want me to do what? But I'm getting like much better with it.
1: (laughs) Well, and there's so many different exercises with that. And like what I do is like I teach people how to more so feel it in their body, how to breathe through it and work through it and then release the tension in their shoulders a lot of the time because we carry a lot of tension in our shoulders, our trapezoids, our neck, and then a lot of our hips, you know, that's like a lot Mm -hmm. of trauma.
2: Those hips carry it all.
1: And the stomachs, you know? Oh, Oh, do
2: I now? (laughs) One of the first versions of my book, um, my editor was like, you talk about shitting a lot. I'm like, well, yeah, it's a trauma response. Sorry, I'm just very honest about these things because I think we have to normalize it, right? Yes. Like, we're all experiencing these things. Like One of the things that is never, I don't love sharing it, but I do, is that when Jeffrey was at his worst in 2017, sending me all these messages and we didn't know where he was or what was going to happen. And I'm here in Vermont and we don't know where he's at. Uh, I was 36, about to turn 37. And I stopped having my period and it never came back. And I went through full menopause. Like that's what trauma does to our body, right? And if we're all sitting here in silence about that, that's not helping. It's not helping us and it's not helping others. Yeah.
1: I I just, that's one of my worst fears to be honest. Because I'm like, I know that can happen with trauma is it can speed up your aging in a sense, and you can go through menopause early and have that pre-menopause early too.
2: Yeah. Well, there's another survivor speaker I was, that I recently did a interview with and they're starting to go through that now. And I was just like, yeah, that can, it's so much more. And when we get back to thinking about stalking as that psychological crime, that's what that crime does, right? It's just, it's not only tearing us apart mentally Putting all that anxiety in that constant place of fear, but it's tearing our bodies apart as well. And so, yeah, sorry, I'm soapboxing about this. I get
1: very passionate. Sorry, Collier, about the lady stuff.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) I'm I'm all good. I know somebody went through the same thing. So, yeah, I know it's a real thing. Yeah, it's wild.
2: Yeah, it's okay. I mean, it was something that we ended up actually using. I use it in my victim impact statement and was able to talk about that. And I, I kind of knew, like, I think all of us in these situations, we've chosen our future past the way we have. And, you know, some of his victims do have children. I knew for myself that that wasn't something I felt comfortable doing and certainly wasn't, well, there's no one around to do that with, so we're good. But, um, you know, the fact that that was no longer an option is pretty wild and really yeah. sad. So, but luckily I have lots of little babies I get to hang out with and spoil and be fun Auntie Anna and it's good, you know. And a chihuahua. And a chihuahua, yes.
0: That's heavy. I don't really have a, I don't have a menopause comeback, sorry.
2: That's um. okay. No worries.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh. Well, um okay, so so tell us about your book.
2: Yes, my book. Um so I started this book. You're just like let's just segue over to here. <laughs> so I started writing after the trial, I went uh away for a little bit to Maine. I used to live there, so I stayed in a little cabin and I was like I'm going to start writing. This is like a month after the sentencing. I did not start writing. I laid on the couch and looked at the ocean and watched Hallmark holiday films for three weeks and my lottery dream home. And that's what I could handle at the time. Um, But I started writing in earnest about three years ago, and that's been quite the process. And so my book right here uh, called Now I Speak came out today, August 1st, which I'm very proud of. Um, And so it's called Now I Speak from Stock to Standing Up. And so it really, it starts that first day in 2011 when he made contact with me and then goes all the way through to that sentencing in 2019. But throughout it, I kind of start each chapter with a different fact about stalking or how to respond to stalking or something helpful in that way. And then also throughout the book, each chapter, you know how we all get triggered all the time, right? So each chapter I kind of let trigger me. And I share another story from my life. And it's just kind of plopped right in there. Like, just, just there. And on the cover of my book, I'm wearing white sunglasses, which, as you can see behind me, there's a lot of white sunglasses in my life because I've been wearing them since I was three years old. And so throughout the course of this whole book, you eventually, by the end, discover why I've worn white sunglasses since I was three years old. And so it's... It's these two different interweaving stories, the one that's told very chronological, and then those kind of triggered parts are just plopped in. They're not chronological. They're just whatever that was that I thought of that I wanted to share. And some are good things. Some are not. Most of them are not. But there are some good ones, too. And yeah, I mean, I really hope that it's something that people can learn and understand the debilitating effects of stalking learn and see how long it took us to get to this point. I mean, this is eight years from that first contact to the conviction. And really now that we know he's been stalking me for years prior, like we're looking at now 15 years because even though he is in prison right now, that doesn't mean this is over for me. Right. And I think that's something that so many of us live with. So the book really, I hope, educates people, allows law enforcement advocates, prosecutors to look at this and understand as well, and really just gives community members, you know, all of us who, your listeners, people who want this content and want to learn more, that ability to learn more. And I'm very transparent. I'm very raw, like I already shared with you. Um, it's very much written through my voice and uh, I feel really proud of it. Yeah. I feel really proud of it. So...
1: I love that. And um, I know that you said that your father passed away, but did your mom pass away too?
2: No, my mother's, still, my mother's still living. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, I just know that he's proud of you for writing your book and everything today.
2: Thank you. Yeah,
1: definitely feel his presence. And yeah,
2: so, you know, I, like I said, I feel very fortunate that I had such a great dad and very tied into like that me knowing I had to leave Washington and just all of those things and so I got to really you know write about him too and just today like thinking of all the different people that are in the book and then the new people I've met since then like there's so many beautiful people in my life since then as well that aren't in there but I just cherish and so I think I'm just sitting with a lot of like joyous gratitude and I mean that doesn't last for long. (laughs) I'm also tired because I was on the phone until 1am my time supporting somebody who's in a situation last night, because that's what we do. Cause the work is never done. And so, you know, it felt like very like this is, and they reached out for support because of my book and that felt really incredible to see like, okay, already right there is something. And My hope is that more people who are in these situations will be able to go to their advocacy centers. As we know, all too often, those domestic and sexual violence centers don't say stalking on them, but they do serve stalking victims. And just really hoping that it gives encouragement and voice and power to people who need it so that they can get that help. It's Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Well, as I always say to Tara, I say we're all part of a squad that no one really wants to be a part of, but we're all a part of the Survivor Squad.
2: (laughs) We are all. Thank you for allowing me to be part of your Survivor Squad and you all part of mine. And (laughs) I mean, we really are a unique bunch of people. (laughs) Like the friends that we have in common, I think we can all agree with that. Like We are a unique bunch of people who feel deeply and get out there and do the work and take our time to be who we need to be. And, you know, as I say, like, yes, this might be my work is embedded in stalking and advocacy and all of this. But to every survivor, like, there's so much more to me than that. There's so much more to me than that story. Um, There's a beautiful, little, weird, quirky life. And, you know, I feel every day, like a little bit of my sparkle and just weirdness is coming back. And I'm really happy about that.
1: (laughs) I love that yeah right so Yeah, let's be weird <laughs> <laughs> and I love um, everything that you said is there any last things you would like to add I mean I think I kind of just said it like we are so much more like we are a squad we are survivors
2: but we are so much more than that we are each like uniquely us so
1: I love that yeah I don't know well that's perfect do something weird and sparkly today for yourself <laughs> well I love that so much
0: like we we like weird and yes. sparkly
1: Mm -hmm. Where can we find Mm -hmm. you on social media, your book, everything? Yes, absolutely. So easiest place
2: is my website, which is ananaset.com, annanasse tcom You can find all my socials there. You can purchase my book on Amazon, Bookshop, Barnes & Noble. Those are all listed on there as well. On Instagram, I'm ananaset. TikTok is at ananaset.com. And Facebook is at Anna Nasset. So you can find me through all those. And yeah, visit my website. And like I said, hopefully I get to meet you all in person sooner than later and maybe meet some of your listeners as well.
0: Yes. That'd be fantastic. Uh, We will have links to all of Anna's uh, social media and a link to her book and her website in the show notes of today's episode. You know, Anna. I always say to Tara, we are all a part of a squad that no one really wants to be a part of, but we are all a part of the Survivor Squad. Anna Nasset, thank you so much for joining the program. We really appreciate it.
1: Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. On that note, Survivors, I'm Tara Newell.
0: And I'm Collier Landry.
1: And this is the Survivor Squad podcast.
0: We'll see you guys. Bye. The Survivor Squad podcast is made possible by support from listeners just like you. Please subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And please consider supporting this program by visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Survivor Squad.